This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 58 of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. My name is Nick Berlansky. I am joined, as always, by Nick Horwat here in week number nine of the hockey hiatus due to coronavirus. But a little bit more good news has happened this past week as we are both officially in counties that are classified as yellow. So how are you in your yellow Allegheny County, Horwat? Uh, in a week, it'll all be yellow for us, and I mean, it's snowing, so people are going to be staying inside anyway. It's yellow and white. Yes. It's uh, <laughs> it's essentially hockey weather again. Yeah, I guess you could say that, but at the same time, we don't have any hockey still, so <sighs> sucks. No, but when hockey comes back, we, again, don't know in which way it will be, in which way it will be presented to us, and if it is the 2019-20 season or if it returns with the 2020-2021 season. What we do know is after the 2019-20 season, whether that be now or whether that be with the conclusion of a playoffs later this summer, the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to have some decisions to make for next season. And that is why we're going to do volume two of the three M's, which is must sign, maybe sign, and move on. That is the big bulk of our program today. But before that, there was a quote that came out that I did want to mention from Pittsburgh Penguin Brian Dumoulin, and I wanted uh-huh. to get your opinion on this, Horwat, is when he was asked about the Stanley Cup being awarded in the 2019-20 season, he said, you know what, back when we were mites, there was no one in the crowd, but guess what, we still wanted to win the game as much as possible. That's where mindset is. my mindset is right now. The ultimate goal is the Stanley Cup still. He then went on to say, winning the Stanley Cup, no matter where, if we're playing in my driveway, that'd be fine with me. You don't need much more motivation than that. And I think it goes to say what we mentioned a couple weeks ago when we talked about some players not really thinking that the Stanley Cup would mean as much if they won it this year. It goes to show that these players care, and it doesn't matter in, I mean, by hook or by crook. They want to win the Stanley Cup, and whether it's in a truncated playoffs or it's in some weird 2014 playoff, they'll take it. I remember I was working my at-home shift for Entercom whenever that story was written someone wrote a story on it i think it was eric hagman and he said i don't know if i don't remember if he used that quote verbatim but he did mention that the team's main goal is to still win a cup no matter what and yeah that is the goal i mean i think the only takeaway from it is if i've heard opinions on you're playing in front of no crowd what does that really do to the mindset of a player at the time i think it was either yoey or rob rossi on the penultimate podcast said you got to figure without a crowd that is going to be the most honed in Chris Letang or Matt Murray will ever be, <laughs> and yeah, and like, you can't disagree with that. But then there's also the guys that thrive off of an away crowd or you know getting it jacked from the home crowd, like a Patrick Hornquist who just mm-hmm. gets under the skin on the road. Who knows what kind of player he turns into without a crowd? I mean, I'm not saying their play will change. I'm not saying their skill is going to diminish, but you know, not having a crowd could have some sort of mental effect, and you never know what could happen. But that being said, again, I think no matter what, the goal really is, first and foremost, is to win the win the Stanley Cup, win a championship for your city, for your fans that, whether they're there or not, will be watching and giving their opinions. 
Yeah, and that is the main goal. And hopefully later this summer we get to see one team, again, hopefully the Pittsburgh Penguins, achieve mm-hmm. that goal. But at the end of the day, we just want to see the 2020 Stanley Cup being raised because we miss hockey. And that is why we are here to talk hockey on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. If you have listened to us for a while, and it only was about 24 episodes ago that we did the first volume of the 3Ms, which, like I said earlier, is called Must Sign, Maybe Sign, or Move On. We're putting on our general manager's hats. We're putting ourselves in the shoes of general manager Jim Rutherford. I have my Fiji water with me to make some of these decisions. (laughs) I got a nice Pepsi. What was that? I got a nice can of Pepsi. Oh, there you go. Since our last installment, like I said, episode 33, so go back and listen to that if you want to know our thoughts from then. But since then, both Dominic Cahoon and Alex Galchenyuk have departed via trade, so we won't talk about them, obviously. Also, Marcus Pedersen, who we talked about in that episode, signed a five-year, $20 million extension, so we don't have to talk about him. He's locked in. But also, since then, we've added upcoming free agents Connor Sherry, Evan Rodriguez, and Patrick Marlowe. So we're going to talk about those guys like we didn't talk about them the first time. Let's get started with the UFAs first. And let's get started with the one that last time both you and I, Horat, were very quick to say it's time for the Penguins to move on. And that is from defenseman Justin Schultz. So I'll give you the floor first. What do you do with Justin Schultz? Do you sign him or maybe sign him or do you move on? Uh, It's just time to move on. I mean, I'm at the point with Schultz that I'm not you know, worried about getting a return. I think if we lose them, our return is, you know, $5.5 million in cap space, and that's all you really need to ask for, um, especially this upcoming um, off-season, of all off-seasons, to worry about cap space. This is going to be one of them because not only like, we have a lot of people to sign, and most of them are RFAs, and most of them are RFAs that are going to be getting raises probably, you know, raises and or at least some sort of, boost in payment and regardless it's something to pay attention to and I think opening up his 5-5 is a huge start yeah it definitely gives you more space to work with yeah it, it that's a big part of it I mean it's I think at first whenever I first thought of the name whenever we first did this I was thinking maybe we see what kind of year he has um, going forward because we haven't seen much of his play recently because he's been hurt for two years in a row uh, but now we've seen it. We know it's not the same as we expected. I mean, I can remember looking at his, some of his stuff. He was getting Calder votes at one point. Not a ton, but like enough to be like getting noticed at least. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Who? Schultz. Was getting Calder votes? I meant Norris. Oh, okay. I was so confused for a second. Yeah. I was like, wait, who are we talking about? Yeah, Calder. I meant but, Norris. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. You're good, but... Yeah, like he was getting Norris votes. I mean, not a lot, but enough to get some sort of recognition and notice that, you know, he's on a radar. And since then, it just hasn't been the same, even, you know, with the injuries. But we see what he's done this year, and it's been okay. It's nothing to, you know, write home about, but it's a relatively decent season. Uh, as for that, though, it's I'd say it's just the end of the road for him here. The last time that we had this conversation, the big things that we, both of us brought up were the injuries that you mentioned earlier, and also the fact that, Marcus Pedersen and John Marino really killed his chances. They really came in and they just shut him out whenever he missed time. And that's something that we mentioned last time. But there was a chance since the last time we mentioned this that he had a, he had a shot to really up his value and up his really stock in coming back to the Pittsburgh Penguins because there was a brief stint. It was actually 11 games where he played with Marino being out due to his 
jaw injury and Dumo still not back. But in that time, the team did not play well. The team went 4-6-1. and one. The team had that six-game losing streak against a lot of bad <laughs> bad teams. And the team defensively didn't play all that well. Right. They couldn't score. They weren't playing that great defensively. And a big part of it was because Justin Schultz was not playing that well. That, that was his chance to show that the Pittsburgh Penguins still need him. That, yes, they have these guys like John Marino, Marcus Pedersen, Brian Dumlin. But that was his chance to show, hey, I'm important too. And you guys are going to want to bring me back. Now, I just, the way he performed then and the way he's performed since he signed that new contract after 2017, I think even if he was willing to take a very big reduced price from his 5.5, as you mentioned, I still wouldn't bring him back. I think it's time to move on Yeah. on the back end from Justin Schultz. And uh, more power to him. He's a right-handed shot defenseman that can move the puck. He should get some money in the offseason, but it's going to yeah. be it's going to be different because with the salary cap, and as we're going to mention a lot of times in this episode, with the salary cap possibly staying where it's at this year, a lot of players are going to have to take some reduced prices. Yeah, and Justin Schultz is one of those guys that who knows what he could do on another team. Who knows if he's a top-pairing guy. You know, some teams he might be a top-pairing guy. You know, a team like Ottawa or maybe, I can't think of another, maybe like Detroit, definitely, but, you know, that's not probably where he is aiming to go, but teams like that, I mean, I mean, shit, even Chicago would probably like to have a puck mover in the back end. Yeah, it's teams like that that he could probably probably become a top-pairing D-man, or at the very least, quarterback their power play. Because, I mean, I don't remember too much. It's been a while, but can he still do that? Like, I know he had that ability. Oh, yeah, um, he can still quarterback the power play very well. He has good eyes. He has a pretty decent pass and a good shot. It's a sneaky good shot, but it's it's something that I I don't want him back. And... He will go somewhere. He will continue his career, I would imagine. Probably not at the 5.5, I wouldn't think, but definitely not as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Right, and that's just going to be one of those things. It'll be interesting to see where he goes and what and what kind of team he goes to. Like, will he become a top two? Will he quarterback a power play? Will it be? Will it be his defensive core? You know, will he be a team leader? Especially considering he's got two cups under his belt and he's not old, but he's not young. He's got some veteran status to him. If he goes to the right team, I mean, don't be shocked if you see him wearing a letter at some point. Yeah, and with one global meme, I mean, the stock is still high. Exactly. <laughs> Let's move on to a player that we didn't get to talk about in episode 33 because he was a Buffalo Saber, But he used to be a Pittsburgh Penguin, and he came mm-hmm. back, and his name is Connor Sherry. No, not Sherry. Connor Sherry. What do you do with Connor Sherry in this offseason if you're Jim Rutherford? You know Jim wants to keep him. We're almost positive he does. We know a I mean, lot of Penguin fans want to keep him. You don't give away a player like Dominic Cahoon without planning on signing back at least one or two of the people that you got for him. Yeah, that would be the assumption there. I mean, but my thought here is just with Shiri, he's the he's the UFA. You don't have to if you really don't want to. I mean, granted, we haven't seen much from him on his return, but it was only eight games, though. I know, I get that. It was only yeah. eight games. You haven't seen much, but I'm still at the point of, you know what, it's I don't know if we should keep him. I'm at I'm leaning toward a move on from. I tried to keep all my selections to a move on or resign because we don't know what's happening and it's kind of that point where we have to make the one or the other decisions. So I made my so I kind of planted my flag there and I said I think for Sherry it's more of a move on situation. Cuz I mean Again, you're trying to dump as much cap space as possible for whatever moves you want to make this season. He's three million dollars, and you know you add that onto Schultz. Now you got 
eight and a half million dollars of breathing room that is really helpful, especially considering you have Jake Gensel coming back from LTIR and there goes six. So you got to do moving and shaking, and I'm thinking he's part of the moving. Yeah, you look at his current contract, and it was signed by the Pittsburgh Penguins, mm-hmm. and it was an overpayment because he got a three-year deal worth $3 million annually. But let's not forget that was after winning back-to-back cups in his first two seasons, plus coming off of a really good contract year, having 23 goals and 53 points in 61 games, and that was in 2016-17. So yes, maybe a little bit of an overpayment, but he he did earn that in his contract year. He had a good contract year, plus you have to factor in the fact that he had a good playoffs, and he was very integral to both Stanley Cup championship teams. And he is a good winger for Sid, and that's the big thing. Sid really enjoys playing with him, and I thought in the minimal time that we saw him play when he came back to Pittsburgh, he started to look like 2016 Connor Sherry. Not the shell of himself that he's been in Buffalo, which is nice to see. $3 million is too much. If he's going to ask for $3 million or a raise even at that, you don't bring it back. And I said a little bit earlier that players are going to have to take discounts. And if Connor Sherry wants to come back, which like you said, he's a UFA. He can do what he wants. But I feel like him seeing how he played in Buffalo, he's going to want to come back to Pittsburgh. And I think he enjoys playing in Pittsburgh and enjoys playing with Sidney Crosby. I said maybe sign him. I think it's between him and Rodriguez. I put them both as maybe signs. So basically one or the other. If you have space, sign both, which we'll get to later. But Mm -hmm. I signed him because I went on to Cap Friendly and did an armchair GM to make sure I could actually do these numbers and get them to fit under the cap. So I'm not just saying contracts and go over the cap. I had Connor Sherry signed at two years, one and a half million dollars AAV. That'd be something. If he's willing to take a pay cut, I'm all for keeping him. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, and a lot of this is, is because we don't know what they're going to be yeah, asking for. That too. It's going to be a hard off season, especially given what the cap could do and what players going to be asking for. Like, are a lot of them not going to change their mindset when it comes to their contract, or is it going to be we understand that? you know, the cap didn't do anything and will accommodate for that? Or are they just going to be the same old, we want more than what we're making now? Yeah, I don't know, because this is something that hasn't happened in over 100 years. And back then, of course, contracts weren't as controversial as they are now. So yeah, you have to think it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be weird to see the paths that some of these players and their agents take in contract talks. But that's what I would do. I would offer up two years, one and a half million, mainly because, yes, you do need those types of players that can play on the first line and that can play down in the depth, especially when you think about in two years, Sherry comes off the books, all of a sudden you have players like Sam Poulin, Nathan Legare. Mm-hmm. You have some other players like Casper Bjorkvist that could be ready to take that step and step into that role. And in a couple of years, salary cap's still going to be shit because of all of this. So yeah. you can get a discounted price for about the same player with one of those guys coming up but let's continue to move on talk about somebody else that came over at the trade deadline and that's Patrick Marlowe he will be a UFA currently making league men I personally said as much as I hate it because since he's come over I've really started to like Patrick Marlowe not that I didn't like him before but I'm gonna have to say move on from him because the guy still has game I get that and I want more than anything to get him a cup and having it in Pittsburgh would be amazing sort of like getting Billy Guerin, another cup late in his career, sort of like getting Matt Cullen, those two cups late in his career. But to me, it's just not necessary. There are younger and better players to re-sign than Patrick Marlowe. And his 11 goals and 22 points, easily made up for. So 
as much as I love the guy, I'm moving on from Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, Marlowe's a hard one because most mostly I think it's up to him, first and foremost. I think it's up to him if he's going to want to continue playing. That would be step one. If we assume he does want to keep playing, he has every right to just pick a team, to just be like, that team there, I want to go to them, whether they're good or bad. It is all up to him. I'd say if he does come to us and say, hey, can I get a contract? Same thing, just league minimum one year. Put me on the fourth line, whatever you got to do. I'm for it. I say we re-sign him because we know he still has legs. We know he can still play the game. And it's nice having a veteran guy on your team, especially one like that. I mean, you mentioned Matt Cullen and Billy Guerin. I, you know, not firmly believe, but I am really of the mindset that every Penguins team that has won a Stanley Cup has had the household father or dad, if you will. Even in the 90s, we talked about it because it was 91-92. They brought in... Oh, I'm blanking on the name. Brian Trottier. Yes, thank you. Trottier. He was the old guy they brought in there that got him two more, not just, you know, not just his first two, but two more. You know, 09, brought in Billy Guerin, one with him. Um, Then we got to uh, 16, 17. Matt Cullen won him two more. It wasn't his first, but he had won two more. And now you're getting to this time, and we, I mean, in the era between our back-to-backs and now, it's been... We had Colin for a year, but let's be honest, he shouldn't have come back. And we really didn't have the stay-at-home father, if you will. Now it's now we bring in Patrick Marlowe, and now we have solidified that spot, and now we can fully go on and win a cup right now. <laughs> it's a weird way of thinking <laughs> about it. It but... is definitely an interesting way of thinking about it, and a very, very hockey player way to think about it, because that seems more superstition than along the line of strategy. Absolutely. I'm not a believer that you need to have somebody in the dad spot on the (laughs) roster, but I will give it to you. That is definitely a creative way of looking at it, GM Horwat. So, yeah, you know, it's not necessary. I mean, like I said, it is just my thoughts on, I mean, even taking that out of it and just saying he's, he can still play. He's a good depth winger slash maybe center. I don't know. Maybe he could throw in there. Um, It's nice to have a veteran player like that on your team. So even as a locker room guy and as a depth piece, I'd say it's all worth it. If, even if he wants to, I mean, if you come to an ask him, hey, if, you know, your legs start giving or it's a little bit more time to shove, we have some young players, would, like, you'd have to ask him, like, hey, would you be okay with taking some healthy scratches? Which, I mean, I, you get hockey players don't want to do that. But, I mean, a guy that's played that much, maybe you're like, you know, if it's just a game or two here and there, sure. What's the matter with it? Like, what's like, what does he have to lose in getting scratched a couple of games? So you're saying must sign Patrick Marlowe? Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm moving on. I just think, especially with everything that's happening with the coronavirus and moving forward with the salary cap, just move on, work on getting some younger blood in there mm-hmm. and uh, other people that can do his job. Speaking of, let's move to the RFAs. The rest of the show, seven RFAs. We talked about the three UFAs coming up. So the rest are restricted free agents. One of those younger guys that I think takes his spot, Evan Rodriguez. I say you must sign Evan Rodriguez, I, I, we mentioned earlier, you don't trade Cahoon unless you're going to re-sign either Sherry or Rodriguez. And I think Rodriguez, of the two, is the one that I'd love to see them sign a little bit more. I think they end up signing both of them. And okay. I'm going to maybe sign with Sherry and a must-sign with Evan Rodriguez. But the thing is, he'd have to also take a pay cut. He would. He's making $2 Rodriguez million. definitely would, yeah. Yeah, he's making $2 million right now. I don't know why Buffalo signed him to that deal in the first place. Evan Rodriguez is a weird one. I mean, 
quite literally, we have not seen him at all in a Penguin uniform. At least Shiri, we have we've known from the first time he was here. And Patrick Marlowe is Patrick Marlowe. We don't he doesn't need to be in a Penguin uniform for you to know what he's done in his career. Mm-hmm. Evan Rodriguez, though, we have not seen at all. It's not like we paid much attention to him in Buffalo. And he played what eight games here? He played a total of eight, I believe. I mean, can you get a read on a player in eight games, really? You can get their basics, and I think what I saw in the basics of Evan Rodriguez is he has really good foot speed. He is going to be a good depth player, potentially, of course. But the only thing is he's yet to reach 30 points in a season and only played basically full-time in one of his five years. That's why I think he's being overpaid right now at $2 million, but I, yeah. I don't necessarily think that he's a bad player. And I think that from what I've seen in the short period of time that I've had that microscopic view on him as a Pittsburgh Penguin, in only eight games, he's impressed me. And he was in and out of the lineup even with that. But he's impressed me enough that I think you bring him back. This contract, I went for the same amount of time as Sherry because of all the reasons I stated earlier. You have a lot of young prospects who in two years could be ready to make that jump. So I say two years and then cut his average annual value down to $1 million. Yeah, it would have to be cut. You figure... Maybe Rodriguez was a casualty, and the Sabres just needed to hit the cap floor. You know, they just had to juice a couple of contracts, and he was one of them. Um, I mean, at 26, that isn't totally far-fetched. I mean, how long has he been on the team? On the Sabres, he was there for four years. Well, four and a half. Okay, so is that bef- so he would have been there before Eichel then? Or no, he would have been yes. there at the same time? You know, yeah, I guess around the same time. Yeah. So you figure, oh, that's a new contract he got, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well then, yeah, I don't know how to put it other than seven games here. He's got a goal. That's such a hard one. I literally, like, taking notes of this, I literally just wrote question marks down for him because we haven't seen him play. It's not like we paid attention to him in Buffalo. I guess I would lean toward move on, but I again, I don't have much on him. It's hard to get kinda... a read on a player that really hasn't played all that much in the league. Like, like I mentioned, a lot of the time, he played two games in one season, 30 games, 48 games. Then in one season, he played 74 games, and he scored 29 points, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But since then, he really has been in and out of the lineup for Buffalo, comes to Pittsburgh. Again, in and out of the lineup for the short time that he was able to play before the shutdown. But from what I saw in that time, I think he's worth the gamble of a two-years $1 million, especially if he's willing to cut down to $1 million. And I think he would be, especially considering that all these players need to notice a lot of paychecks are going to get cut right now. Yeah. And still being able to make $1 million on a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins where you might have a chance to play more consistently than you did in Buffalo, I think he would jump at that offer. That's why I think he is a must-sign because his intangibles are really good as a bottom six player. And who knows, maybe even he comes up onto the top six and his speed creates space for a Zucker and Crosby combination or a Gensel and Malkin or a Rust and Malkin. And that's why I, I think he should be signed back. Okay. And I'm going to agree with you because, like I said, I had a bunch of question marks and nothing much. I just kind of needed convincing one way or the other. I had a bunch of question marks with a move, but that was just me shooting from the hip and saying, I don't know much about the guy here. He's worth $2 million. I mean, what's so bad about just moving $2 million off the books, you know? That's true. But getting convincing from the other side, I mean, I see where it's all coming from. Definitely would have to take a pay cut. I mean, if he goes into his next argument and saying, I want the same... Uh, then he's got to be on a trading block almost immediately. 
I'm with you on that one. Then I'll I'll say if he's able to take a pay cut, then yeah, he, we can uh, totally resign him. Totally resign. You said you had question marks next to Evan Rodriguez. Now I'm guessing, yeah. do you have question marks next to Sam Lafferty as well, who we're going to talk about next? Uh, no, because we've at least seen him play. <laughs> we've seen him play? Yeah. The last time we talked about this, we did include Sam Lafferty. I said maybe sign last time. You said move on, actually. You didn't mm-hmm. like the boy from Holidaysburg. So what well, were your thoughts on move on then, and are they still move on now? So my thoughts have definitely changed. I mean, he was my one person I wrote down for maybe in this whole situation, but it does lean toward a sign because... I mean, he's on emergency loan right now. If, let's say, whenever all of this stuff gets settled, his contract is technically under uh, Wilkes-Barre right now. And I don't know how that works. I don't know if they're what salary does down there. All I know is the most, I mean, essentially he would re-sign for what he's making now for like another year or two. With that, So with that being said, if he signs the contract there, it's a two-way. It doesn't affect our cap too much. He's probably going to majority play there and be a first call up. I'm cool with that. Then that's a must sign for me. Let's just call him what he is. He's an injury call up. Yeah. And nothing against him. That's fine. He's made leaps and bounds from where people other than Mike Sullivan expected him to be this year. He came up, he scored three goals in his first four games, and then he scored three in his next 47. So it's really difficult to get a gauge on where he is, but you enjoy watching him play because he plays head first steadfast and i also said maybe sign what i would Mm -hmm. sign him to one year 850k why because he is a replacement level player as good as he was this year and a pretty good rookie for the pittsburgh penguins this year and a great fill-in for injuries which was huge and yes he did have that very sweet goal in st louis embarrassing i think it was bennington in net at that point but he definitely went around Derek pouliot that's what i do remember i sign him back to a one year 850k I think he signs that. That's why I'm a maybe sign because he is technically, to me, still a minor leaguer that is just filling injury roles with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That might be naive of me to say, and I might be being too hard on the kid that's had a really good rookie season for the Penguins. I didn't know he played 50 games. That was impressive. I didn't know Mm -hmm. he played that many games this season. But to me, it's just he's too low on the depth chart for me to give him anything more than a one-year 850K. Prove it to me again next year. Prove to me that you can be in the NHL contributing at a consistent basis more than just 50 games based on injury. So that's why I say maybe sign him one year, 850K. Exactly. I mean, there's no other reason for it. I mean, like I said, he's under emergency loan right now. So whenever this all comes to, he's going to be put back down in Wilkes-Barre because I'm pretty sure we can't have emergency loan on on the books. At least I don't know. I mean, when the season returns, we could also be looking at expanded rosters. So he could very well be with the major league like they might just throw the salary cap out the window for the playoffs <laughs> right because i mean you have injured players coming back you're going to need to expand the roster because the ahl is not going to have they're, they're not going to have a season. right so well who like knows? i said his is just because he's emergency loan i said keep because i mean it's going to be wilkes contract to sign i think yeah that's very true we're going to take a quick break but when we return we're going to continue our three m's segment volume two as well as mention some more good deeds done by members of the Pittsburgh Penguins organization. This episode of the Tip of the Iceberg is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Got a crazy bush? I may not be a contractor, but even I know that if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller. This is why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. 
featuring advanced skin-safe technology to keep your soldier polished and cut-free. If you're like me and like to handle this kind of business in the shower, the Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof and features an LED light, so even guys as blind as I am can see what they're doing. If you are listening to me, you are one of the first people to hear about this life-changing product, and you too can experience it firsthand. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. Again, that's code THPN for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Trust me, your balls will thank you. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. This is episode 58, or episode Chris Letang, as Horwat would say. Mm-hmm. My name is Nick Berlansky, and again, I'm here with Horwat, and we've been talking three M's for the first segment here. So far, we have a couple must signs, a couple maybe signs, a couple move-ons. But before we move on, we want to talk about the Pens giving back, as we've mentioned the last couple of weeks on this show. This past week, Sidney Crosby donated 100,000 meals to the Pittsburgh Food Bank, stating that he saw the people of Pittsburgh coming together to help one another, and he definitely wanted to be a part of that. They even put him with a quote from Mr. Fred Rogers when they (laughs) released this to the public on the Penn's Twitter page. So Sidney Crosby giving back in that way. And then head coach Mike Sullivan. He surprised shoppers with free groceries at two local Giant Eagle locations during designated senior hours. He said he wanted to give back to those who are, quote-unquote, at higher risk of catching and being affected by the virus. So good on both Crosby and Mike Sullivan in giving back. And we'll continue to update you on what the Pittsburgh Penguins are doing to give back during these times. But it's time to continue with the three M's. And it's still all RFAs, and it's... We only got RFAs left, man. We got seven RFAs, three yeah, UFAs. Let's be honest here. Two of them are going to be uh, pretty entertaining. Yeah, we're going to keep those two for last. And everybody that is listening to this probably knows which two RFAs we're talking about. But for right now, let's talk about... Our boy, our favorite, the cough drop king, Yuso Rikola. Last time we both said maybe sign. What say you this time, Horwat? Uh, I think it's just time to move on, man. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's just not getting played, and we're not seeing him play. Granted, he had ice time this year, but at what cost? It's at the point of we don't know what, what's it called. We don't know what the coaching staff thinks about him because he's just at a very low position at the depth chart and you just don't see a future here for him I guess it's it just doesn't seem I just don't feel confident in the fact that he'll stay here the last time we talked I stated that Yusuf Rikula as much as I love him he wasn't worth a million dollars right he wasn't worth more than league men and to me he still hasn't shown that he is he's played one less game this season than he did last season which is hard to imagine because he didn't seem like he played that much last season. But again, one less game this season than he played last season. He did play very well defensively this year, which is a step forward and a step in the direction of, yes, Mike Sullivan will like to play you a little bit more if you can do that. But I also said move on. He is somebody that came in as a project and was, (laughs) just like Justin Schultz, jumped by both Marcus Pedersen and John Marino. And as much as I love him, and I'd like to see him come back, if he comes back on a one-year, $875,000 contract, league men, that's fine. Bring him back. He's a great depth defenseman. But like general manager Jim Rutherford said, 
you're going to have to make tough decisions. And one mm-hmm. of those is going to be giving up on the project of Yusuf Rikla. I think he's a really good defenseman. I think he'll probably go to another team and play fairly well, but it's just this year. You're going to have to make some tough decisions, and you're going to have to cut bait with some of these players, and one of them being Yusuf Rikla. He's an RFA, so you can't just cut bait, but if somebody else offers him something that's more than a million, I don't say you match it. If somebody else decides to try to trade for him, I say you trade for him. Yeah. And also, if you want to package him up with somebody else, maybe a goaltender, it could increase the return on a possible trade. So I'm moving on as well. Yeah, it's a hard one. Like you said, if you're able to get him back for a year in league men, then go for it. By all means, he's got a booming shot that we just cannot ever see because he just doesn't get played. I mean, that's all. And even it is. when he does play, he doesn't play in positions wherever he's going to get shots on net. Most of the time, yeah. he's in the defensive zone. Exactly. I mean, that's he's another guy that who knows if he goes to another team, he's you know definitely a higher up on a depth chart for some teams than here. I mean, like look at. I mean, I just keep going back to the same two old horse, Ottawa and Detroit. Like, who knows what he could do on those ta- on those teams? Yeah, and he moves the puck really well. And we saw the first time from the first time he stepped on the ice, he is a physical player for somebody mm-hmm. that is not that big in stature. So I think he will help another team out, and I think there's going to be interest from other teams this offseason. So maybe get to move him. Again, if he wants to come back at League Men, welcome him with open arms. That's fine. But realize that he's probably still not going to get that much of a chance to play on next year's edition of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. That's just the way it has to be. Well, that is all for our defensemen. We have two more forwards and then the other two that shall not be named quite yet. Let's start with Dominic Simone, who is coming up as an RFA. An interesting case study who is a first-liner at some points and a healthy scratch at other points this season. What do you do with Dom Simone? I'm sure I said move on from him last time, but that, that must have just been my personal vendetta. You said maybe sign last time. We actually maybe both said I did. That. Cool, because yep. I'm going for a must-sign too again because I'm really dropping the vendetta on him. <laughs> it's hard to hold on to one whenever he's genuinely a great player when he plays with other great players. Mm-hmm. Maybe not great, but he's genuinely a, you know, solid player, and you can't argue it. I don't yeah, think he could be he could request too much more than he's making now. I mean, do you think he could be a kind of type of player that's like, hey, I want two million? Maybe, but I don't think that the the hard numbers don't follow that. Exactly, he is an analytics darling, and yes, that does matter right now. The analytics do matter, and the Penguins will take a look at that. But I don't know if that quite translates that much. When it comes to contract talks, especially I keep saying it and I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, but especially this year, it's going to be tough to get more money out of these general managers this year because they don't have the space. I I said must sign too. Mm -hmm. So we both went from maybe to must. So it must have been something about he looked pretty good in that 18. He was flying around in that 18. I don't know if it's because watching (sighs) Alex Galchenyuk wear it half the season lowered my expectations or if it's just because Dom Simone played better after the trade. Who knows? I thought he played really well right before his injury, and I gave him three years, $1.25 million. I think you Ooh. you add that extra year from two to three just to get that down from the 1.5 and the 1.75. Try to save a little bit of space. But I said three years, one point two five for Dom Simone. Yeah, I like that you did the years and the money because I couldn't really come up with any of it. <laughs> because Armchair GM, offseason... man, is a blessing. Yeah, and plus I haven't I've never actually used that, but I just know this offseason is gonna be too much of a crapshoot to really try and even attempt to make offers right now. Yeah. I will post, For us at least. Yeah. I'll post my lineups after I made all the signings. I did a really manila version, meaning I didn't make any trades. Even with one of the goalies that we'll get to, 
that I trade was going to trade. I didn't even make the trade. I just said, yeah, I, he's not on the team. That's fine. I didn't get that in depth into it, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. We both said Dom Simone must sign. Do you have anything else on, on the Simone? No, I mean, I think he can grow. If, if he's able to blossom under on his own, on his own line, I see nothing wrong with keeping him around. Yeah, his possession and his passing ability. That is what's going to keep him in Pittsburgh. And that is huge. And it's going to keep him as a really good depth player for years to come. Yeah. So we have one more forward left. I guess, yeah, it's just one more forward, one more skater, and that is Jared McCann. He was a uh-huh. very interesting case because at some points he looks extremely good, and at some points, just like Dom Simone, he can be a first-line talent or he could be the third-line center that we've needed since Nick Benino. What do I, you do with Jared McCann? Got to keep him. Uh, you got to keep him. He's 23, he's 1.25, and – He's another one that got an RFA contract signed over a million dollars because of a team that was maybe trying to reach some sort of floor or trying to be a little aggressive cap-wise. And I think with his case, they more just saw his potential. That too. But, I mean, I don't know what his numbers looked like in Florida, but we now see his potential here. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's well worth the money. I don't see... I say you re-sign him and not even give him a pay cut, maybe even a little bit of a raise. I'm not saying too much because he is only 23 and might be able to squeeze in another RFA deal. I don't know. I don't want to dig into that too far. But, I mean, I'd say re-sign him because he's definitely worth at least another year or two to look at in the Penguin uniform. And if you need to cut him free after that because he really isn't panning out, so be it. His 1.25, I think for him, is respectable. We both said must sign last time, and we're both going to continue to say must sign this time. I think Jared McCann is a more integral part to this team than people realize. He helps Mike Sullivan out in basically any situation that he's in. Do you need a third-line center? Yes. Okay. Jared McCann. Do you need a first-line winger for Sidney Crosby? Yes. Okay. Put up Jared McCann. He can do that. He's really a jack-of-all-trades. The only thing that I haven't seen him do is play defense and goalie, to be completely honest. He kills penalties. He's on the second power play unit, and he's great. To me, he's a guy you want to give stability to. Let him hone in his craft as the third line center or whatever line center. I know Mike Sullivan doesn't like to say lines. Give him three years, two and a half million dollars, double his money. I've said a lot of guys are taking pay cuts. Jared McCann shouldn't take a pay cut. I think he deserves the boost because he still has more that he has not shown, but he's still shown a lot to me. The guy leads the charge for your bottom six. If you stick with the blue retain of Zach Hasner reach line, which I believe everybody's saying we will next year. He's the perfect guy to center that final line. He's the yeah. finish off that four centers, Bluger, Crosby, Malkin, and McCann. Yeah, and that That's sounds good. good. I mean, I'm not saying they'll be on NHL rosters next year, but we get into, you know, Poulin and Lagare, and they're a couple of wingers. You really start honing in McCann as a center, and now you got maybe these young guys coming up in a couple of years that, you know, I'm not saying right away, but I'm saying eventually they'll be here, you'd assume. And they're going to be wingers with him. I can see it now in the fall of 2021. The first normal season we've had in three years. Yeah. Nathan Lagare and Sam Poulin both score in their first game with Jared McCann in between <laughs> As their them. center. And that is in Seattle. Aww. And that is, how it all, that is how it all goes down. But yeah, on a realistic standpoint, on a current day standpoint, I love the way Jared McCann plays. I love how much he enjoys playing in Pittsburgh, at least seems to enjoy playing in Pittsburgh. And also, I love the fact that he scored 14 goals this season. 
but still had a down season. You have to think about the fact that he was on pace for way more than that 14 goals before he went on a 22-game scoring drought. I get that that could be something that is a little bit of a red flag, and it might save Jim Rutherford some money. He might have cost himself some money, but to me, I think the way Jared McCann has played, and I think the role that they want him to play in, I think he's earned every bit of three years, two and a half mil. Yeah. Per. I should say per. I mean, I think so too. I mean, whatever you want to offer him, absolutely. Like I said, even if it is another short one to keep, it's another short RFA deal. I mean, anything. <laughs> okay. Now. To the elephant in the room. To, to the massive, huge biggest elephant you've ever seen ever in the room last time we said we must sign both of these guys there were four must signs thrown around two from each of us one for each player it's gonna be hard to really make an actual decision on these guys before we see a conclusion in the 2019-20 season we might have already seen it but i want to know if it's over i've gone back and forth on this so much haven't we all everybody's gone back and forth on this so much. And then I listen to one thing and I start thinking one guy and I listen to the other thing. And then I start thinking the other guy, it's tough to make a decision, but that's what we're going to have to do right now. Like we said on episode 33, we both said we must sign both Tristan Jari and Matt Murray. We were conclusive that we both agreed on that. Now I got to make a decision. Let me start by saying Horwat. <laughs> do you have must sign both of these guys? All right, so get ready for this. I actually have no notes for either of them because this isn't going to be a decision-making conversation, I feel like. I feel like this is going to be a conversation where we are discussing, obviously it's going to be one of them. I think that's become almost blatantly clear Mm -hmm. that it's going to be one of them and it's not going to be our decision, obviously. (laughs) Thankfully. Yeah, but like I said, I am kind of here to talk stats and not really... Like, I don't know why I got to that point. And I was like, I can't make this decision. I can't just say one or the other. I have to literally look at and talk about with someone who knows who knows also about this whole experience we've gone through with both of them. Talk about the numbers, talk about the stuff, and go from there. <laughs> what do so you have? Like, what do you have? How about that? So you you don't have an M for either of these guys. No, I have a, just a blank sheet. Oh, so you're throwing you're hanging me out to dry now. Now it's gonna be me. <laughs> Well, here's something. The maybe burner. by the maybe by the end of it, I be I come up with a decision because I would like to actually. I mean, this is something we could even do a whole episode on if honestly, we run we, out of time. We've now. honestly dead spent time the last three episodes on it, but it's but all like, led up to this. Yeah, I mean, but at this point, it's it's not so much who you start in the playoffs or it's who you're going forward with with your franchise. It's, yeah, now it's quite literally who is Casey DeSmith going to be sitting behind next season? That's the point it's gotten to. Yeah, and the big thing is Casey DeSmith is a good backup, and I will die on that hill. So of course. we're not here to talk about Casey DeSmith. We're here to talk about Tristan Jari and Matt Murray, yeah. which I don't know if I keep putting it off because I want the runtime to go longer and me to edit longer, or if I just don't <laughs> want to answer this question. But... I, I straight up didn't answer it, so there's that. <laughs> but I'm like intrigued. I said, I'm here to talk numbers on it. Go ahead. Yeah, that's true. Personally, if the Fiji water is in my hands, I'm trading Matt Murray this offseason. I get where people are coming from with that. I think my personal lean is toward Matt Murray, but that is just me being A, a homer, B, I like the longevity of guys. I mean, the Penguins aren't a team that have had, at least as of relatively recently, that has had just a carousel in net. Mm-hmm. The last time we had that was before Tom Barrasso, probably. Um, I could No, I mean, the early 2000s were pretty rough. Yeah, I can think of a time like right before Flurry. That being said, 
it's been an interesting it hasn't been a carousel carousel at least mm-hmm. we at least almost always had the standout this is the guy and again it's gone to the point of well now we have two guys which again, again. these are great problems to have <laughs> yeah shame on us for feeling guilty about this problem but yeah now one thing i want to get into is with jari uh we know what he did this season but let's cut back to the 2017-18 season when he played 26 games and went 14-6-2. and two. Mm-hmm. I had this that right down here in, all, in this, all caps. Yeah, I didn't realize that. So clearly this isn't so much the first time he's ever done this. When he was two, year, he was two years younger, less experienced in the league, 908 quite, save percentage at that point too, and a 277 goals allowed average. Quite literally only had one game under his belt before that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what point of the season those were. I just am looking. I at was the in the dead numbers. middle of the season. Of course, it was because that was the first time Matt Murray had a really bad injury, and it was the Smith and Jari back and forth, and then Jari kind of stole the reins. But what I look at is Mike Sullivan has said that Tristan Jari has been the best goaltender in camp the past two seasons. That includes Matt Murray, not just Casey yeah. DeSmith, who everybody thought he was referring to. But the thing is, if Matt Murray didn't have these cups, it's not a conversation. Exactly. I don't think. But well, not I mean, saying Matt Murray is bad. I will die on the hill that Matt Murray is the number one goaltender in this league. Absolutely. I am not in any way shitting on Matt Murray because I said last time, parties that are more important to this decision realize that it is down a down year for Matt Murray, and uh-huh. he's still a number one goaltender. I said that on episode 33. I still believe that it is just a down year. If you look at Matt Murray's numbers over the years, he is a fantastic goaltender. He plays really well. And yeah. yes, I did say in episode 33 that Matt Murray can command six, maybe six and a half range. Now, he said a little bit higher than that in rumors recently, but that was also when I thought Jari would get two million. Do you want to hear the number that I gave Tristan Jari in my fake Pittsburgh Penguins team? What was it? I gave him a four-year deal mm-hmm. worth $4 million. That's super year. respectable. And we were going into our last conversation about all this saying, that we could easily re-sign both. Ooh, this is literally probably what we said. We could easily re-sign both if Oof. Murray is willing to not take as much slash be the big dog. And I'm assuming we did all this before Jari said, hey, I'm going to stop everything. No, it was about in the middle of that. Really? Okay. It, it was right in the middle of Tristan Jari taking over. And also the fact is when we were doing this last time, there were rumors that the NHL was going to boost the salary cap by about yeah. 5 to $8 million. So we thought we had Uber cash to work with. And instead, yeah, we're not really in the point where we have a lot of money to work with. Yeah. And I think also we were at the idea thought of, well, this Jari thing can't last forever. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know? know, you're saying $4 million. I was thinking, I think probably back then, like maybe you give him a $2 million deal for two years because we don't, because maybe he still has something to prove after this season. Maybe this all falls apart. Murray comes back, all that other stuff. But now it's at the point of you got to figure Murray's going to be making money one way or the other, whether whether it is here or somewhere else. That's how it's going to go down. Now Jari is going to make money here or somewhere else. It might not be as much as Murray because he really can't demand it, but it's going to be that much. We were talking numbers and we said Jari's one season in 17 and 18 of 26 game play, games played at 14-6-2 at 22 years of age. That's damn impressive. But mm-hmm. then people will say, yeah, Murray's had a down year this year. What part of, on the surface, a 20-11-5 season <laughs> is a down year? Get rid of all of his other numbers and ask yourself that. 
Well, here's the thing. You play on the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're you're going to get wins when you don't deserve wins in net. And that's a big factor of a lot of people saying Marc-Andre Fleury isn't a Hall of Famer. We won't get into that. We won't open that can of worms. But you play on the Pittsburgh Penguins, eventually you're going to get bailed out during most some of your games, right? Yeah. And I want to like go in. like At one point, I want to write a story on it about how hard it must be to be Matt Murray in this city. Living in the shadow of Marc-Andre Fleury. The franchise goaltender. Let's not forget how hard it was for Mark Andre Fleury to live in this city when he was here. Yeah, but at the same time, like he didn't have someone taking his spot, and then all this controversy coming from it. The isn't way I'm that, looking, isn't at, that why he left? Murray came up. That's when this controversy happened, and then yeah, took his job from him, and all of a sudden, there goes Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but at the same time, like Fleury at least had a career. He had already done stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Now it's, yeah, Murray's done stuff for us, but what has he done on his own is what a lot of Penguin fans are asking, and they've been asking that for three years now. You look at Murray's numbers and you say he's a he's got 117 wins and 53 losses. When you double up your losses on wins, it's mm-hmm. very respectable. No point of this conversation did either of us try to downplay Matt Murray's ability. The guy has a career 914 save percentage in five seasons, and he won two Stanley Cups in his rookie year. We're not downplaying how good he is, and especially in the playoffs. He has a 921 save percentage, including a 937 save percentage in the 2016-17 playoffs en route to a second straight Stanley Cup, including a 1.70 goals allowed average. That is ridiculous numbers, Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying Matt Murray is bad. By no means am I saying that. What I'm saying is, if I was in Jim Rutherford's shoes, and I had to pick one of these guys, the big factor being, I look at my defense as the best defense that I've put together probably since I showed up in Pittsburgh. Tristan Jari has shown that he is a very capable goaltender. I think Tristan Jari has shown that he is on par, if not possibly better in the future, than Matt Murray will be. So I'm putting my faith in Tristan Jari, saying if he does regress a little bit, guess what? We have a really good defense that is coming to the Pittsburgh Penguins, that is going to be the Pittsburgh Penguins for the next couple of years because of Pedersen and Marino and a hopefully healthy Dumoulin and Latang pairing. And I say, you know what? Matt Murray, we're going to trade you. And when we get back, we'll hopefully improve this club. I can obviously see Matt Murray going to Chicago or going to Detroit or going anywhere else, maybe Ottawa, like you mentioned, and he'll become everything that we expected him to be when he first came to the league, and it will suck. I will hate myself, Mm -hmm. but that's what happens. That is the league and the business of the league, and guess what? I'll be rooting for him because I've been a Matt Murray fan since he came up. Just because I'm moving on from him doesn't mean I'm not. That's my TED Talk. Uh, Sorry. Matt Murray, move on. Tristan Jari, he's my guy. All right. I mean, I'm going to, just because you said that, I'm going to go with the side of Murray then, just so we have some sort of difference of opinion for one. And two, I genuinely do think Matt Murray is just living in a bad shadow. I think he's a great goalie that just sucks. That I think if you take away Flurry's part of this, I think we're not having this argument. I think that might be a part of it. I think like, the problem being, I don't think that factors into me and you, though. I don't think either of us look at Matt Murray as trying to fill the shoes of Marc-Andre Fleury because no, we, we see don't. him for what he is. He's an individual. So I don't think that right. comes into our conversation at all. Yes, there's people on Penn's Twitter and the number one fan base, according to Forbes, or most passionate, I guess, according to Forbes.com. There's people in that fan base that say, well, Fleury would have stopped that still. But those people, you don't need to listen to that opinion. Right. And that's what I'm saying. But it's the it's a lot of people that still get into that. And that's the part that 
is always digging in my mind. Like it must be hard to be living in a franchise goalie shadow like that. I mean, you got to figure also Murray has only ever once had a season under um, a 900 save percentage. And that's this year. And it's an 899. And we don't even know that could go up still. Who knows? I just am at the point of if I'm going to lead toward Murray, I'm going to have to fully commit because it seems like he's going to be the one, the odd man out. And I understand that. And like, I do understand this is also a business and I'm going to support whatever goalie we have in net. Mm -hmm. It just hurts to, you know, have to do all that. If, you know, at the beginning of the season, we didn't have, or if someone took to Smith from us, I would say we'd be kind of screwed. Yeah. (laughs) But it'll all just depend, I guess. I mean, and I can find backing for it. If we really need to go into a whole episode conversation about this shit, I'm about it, first of all, because we'll have plenty of time to do it, probably. I'm sure if the season resumes, and then eventually we'll obviously come to a conclusion, Mm -hmm. we'll have to talk about this right before the offseason. Yeah. And like I said, like, I... Who knows? Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting going forward. There's a lot of different stories that can be had here. My thoughts on... Murray just always living in the shadow of Flurry, and that may have hurt him, at least in the eyes of the fans. There's Jari coming up being this young stud who just took it from someone who looked like he was taking the throne. It's quick change of power. And I think it's something that a lot of fans aren't used to because we had Marc-Andre Flurry at the helm for so long. Yeah. People aren't used to having this issue every couple of years where, okay, he wasn't necessarily a franchise goaltender that's going to be here for years on years and years. And a lot of people look at it and say, well, Matt Murray was only there for five years. That is a pretty long time in terms of a starting goaltender sometimes at a certain team. Yeah, for a goalie, that's honestly, that's pretty good. I mean, I'd have to take I'd have to take a real hard look back on things. I don't know how many goalies have spent more than five years in Pittsburgh. Because for a goal, you're usually flipping around. It's very rare you'll Five find Five might be honestly be like the cutoff for the vast majority of them. But you got to figure, for goalies, it's very rare you'll find someone who sticks around on a team for super long. And usually if they do, they're Hall of Famers. And they were signed long-term because the team didn't want to get rid of them because they knew what they had. Now you have a situation where you have two of them. And you can't sign both of them long-term. Especially right now. I mean, you even look at New York. They're pushing out Henrik Lundqvist, or they at least should be pushing out Henrik Lundqvist because they have two good guys behind them. And imagine that. You're pushing out a Hall of Famer. General Manager Jim Rutherford said it best in an article earlier this week on The Athletic. He said, there's a way that we can keep both. There is a way. There's it will a take way. a lot of maneuvering. So who knows? Maybe we even have both Matt Murray and Tristan Jari back and some of the other guys that we say you got to bring back. They might not be coming back because yeah. to make space for these two. Or maybe it'll be one. Could be Murray that goes, could be Jari that goes. We don't have to make that decision, but we have made that decision in our own eyes. I say you go with Jari, you say you go with Murray, Mm -hmm. and that's just the end of it. And it's difficult to do, and I'm sure our opinions will probably change by the time we stop recording this, but right now I feel like I'm steadfast in Tristan Jari. Yeah, and you can be, and I did pull it up. Out of the 65 goalies to ever play at least one game for the Penguins, Mm Mm-hmm. Only 10 of them have gone five or more years. So there's that. And Tristan Jari obviously is not one of them. He's only And he's at four. So you figure it's four years, but it's kind of two with, like, a game in one season and two in another. So, I mean, that's just the way – that's just looking at it on hockey reference. But being in select group of only 10 other goalies that have spent five or more 
parts of five or more seasons in Pittsburgh, and Murray's sitting at five with Les Binkley, Frank Peter, Peter Angelo, and Wendell Young, all guys you've heard of. <laughs> I mean, Roberto Romano was here for six. <laughs> so it's it's small numbers here, and only three have ever made it ten or more, and one of them was Dennis Aaron. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough decision. That concludes our our three M segment, our second round of three M segment. I'm sure. That's something that we'll be doing for years to come. But that is going to be it for this one. Before we go, though, I wanted to ask our fans, are you guys looking for an excuse to buy a new jersey? And would winning a cool hockey gift card be reason enough for you? Well, from May 1st to June 1st, any jersey purchased through our link automatically enters you into a draw for a $175 cool hockey gift card. All you have to do is go to www.coolhockey.com THPN Buy the jersey that's been on your wish list for months now. Then tell us on Twitter which jersey you ordered so we can connect you with your purchase for a live draw on June 6th. That's it. Anybody who buys a jersey through our link before June 1st will have a shot at a $175 gift card thanks to our friends at Cool Hockey. Oh yeah, and if we see 10 sold by May 15th, we'll make it a $200 gift card. So a little bit more of an incentive to do this soon. Make sure you use the promo code THPN for 30% off. One last time, that is www.coolhockey.com slash THPN. Also, before we go, we want to remind you guys that now, with 36 unique podcasts, the Hockey Podcast Network delivers content on a daily basis. So make sure you tune in to our specialty shows, the House of Hockey Podcast, Tales with TR, hosted by Terry Ryan, the Ice Analytics Podcast, and our two newer shows, Hockey to Heroin, A Road to Recovery, hosted by former hockey player Brady Leavold, as well as the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. That is all for this one. You can follow Nick Horwat at Nick Horwat 41 or me at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. The tip of the iceberg can be found anywhere you get your podcast from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. The Tip of the Iceberg is also brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet, or you can visit them at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Every team, everywhere, stay strong, Pens fans.